0: All right. Um, welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football Podcast, presented by or hosted by the starting kicker of your Golden Gophers, Matthew Trickett, and me, Tony Liebert. Um, for this week's episode, uh, we'll be recapping the Gophers' impressive thirty-four seven victory over Michigan State, and previewing their upcoming Week Five homecoming matchup against um, Purdue. Uh so yeah, I guess we'll just kind of start with the impressive win on Saturday. Um, I think the biggest take takeaway was another um solid performance from um the quarterback position in Tanner Morgan. Um I think it was really one of his best games in his really entire gopher's career. He was uh 23 of 26 for 268 yards and three touchdowns. His uh, 88% completion percentage mark was the best since Um, a game that you were not on the team, but in 2019 against Penn State, um, kind of the last, or one of the last really big wins for the Gophers. And it's kind of fair to say that he's um, reached that uh, 2019 form that he had. That was kind of a real talking point in the preseason. A lot of people were wondering if he was going to be able to at least put in the same box score numbers that he had that season with, Kirk Scirocco as the offensive coordinator. And I think it's fair to say he's kind of playing at that level once
1: again. Yeah. I obviously can't speak on his 2019 season since I wasn't here, yeah. uh, but he's just playing like himself, you know, he's playing like the leader he is and our wide receivers are out there making tremendous catches and, it doesn't matter who gets the ball. Like everyone's working every single down to get open. And if not get open, then block for the next receiver. And, you know, Tanner's a fantastic quarterback and people are finally seeing it, you know, in a run first offense. Sometimes he gets overlooked by Mo and Trey, but I mean, he's a fantastic quarterback and he was really – throughout the most half had a ton of production um, and it's nice to be able to run the football on a team. And then when they're planning for the run the entire week, have Tanner just drop back and throw for almost 300 yards, and three touchdowns.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we've kind of talked about it now for a couple of weeks because he he've been playing kind of at this level and it seems like it's not really a surprise for anyone in the locker room that he's playing this well. And um, obviously he's had his doubters in the past and there were a lot of people preseason um, talking about if he could reach that 2019 form he had. And I, I think it's fair to say he's playing at that point. And there's really, I don't think anything you can uh, put against him at this point. Like he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the conference.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: Um, so after that, it's, I mean, it's kind of been the same, the same formula. Uh, All season on the offensive side of the ball, Um, Muhammad Ibrahim once again had a very impressive game. Um, Trey Potts also added uh, great production behind him. Uh, Mo had 22 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown. That is now his 13th straight game of 100-plus yards, which is the best active um, streak in the entire country. And now he's at 3,570 career rushing yards, which is 948 yards short of the program record um so just for those listening um he would need to average about 106 yards per game over the final eight games plus the one bowl game if you if he wants to break that record and yeah that comes after he just passed the all-time touchdown mark for uh rushing touchdowns but yeah Uh, Another dominant day in the backfield. I mean, we kind of been talking about the same thing every week, but uh, it just seems like everything's clicking for uh, Mo and Trey. And uh, it's really – it was almost just like a perfect offensive performance all the way around.
1: Yeah, the guys really went out there and executed. And, you know, you're talking about all these, uh, you know, best since uh, 2019. Yeah. Mo breaking the all-time for touchdown record. Like, those all just happen because of all the work that the offense is putting in and the whole team is really putting in. And, you know, I don't know if Moe knew how close he was to the record or, you know, if this was the game to break it going in. Um, but, you know, I don't think the whole team is thinking about any of that. I think it's all just a byproduct of how we're playing, you know. Um, like I know Tanner isn't worried about his stats and completions any of that stuff. um he just wants to be able to drive the ball down the field and score touchdowns every single time uh prevent me from kicking field goals, and I'm all right with that, but I think it's all simply a byproduct of how we're playing um i mean it's it's definitely different from last year and Super exciting for me to watch on the sidelines. Um, I know our huge section in the stands at Michigan State stuck out so well in the maroon and gold and the sea of green, but I would say it's probably the same up there as it is watching it down on the field. It's it's just impressive. Um, the strain and the drive that our offensive guys have up front on the line of scrimmage, you know, outside to the wide receivers, everybody is straining and you never know when your number is going to be called and guys are out there making plays and that's what we need going forward. Yeah. I mean, uh,
0: I think obviously kind of in sports in general, the narrative off the field is always about the stats and the numbers and all the records. And I think at least from my perspective, if players start looking at that, that's when those marks become, I guess, harder to reach. And when, When you're kind of just focusing on the wins and losses, those all the numbers are going to come with it because, yeah, uh, like you're only going to be able to get impressive stats and impressive numbers if you're winning games because that's just how sports work and how football works. And I think we're kind of seeing that right now because it seems like every game Mo's breaking a record, Tanner's reaching his best mark since 2019. And uh, I, it's just going to, I think, only going to continue to happen if, uh, you you guys in the in the golfers keep playing at the same level.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, and I mean, huge credit to those guys. I know it can be extremely tempting as you're you know approaching a record to start thinking about that, like what that means um, in your legacy and whatnot. But for them to be able to just brush that aside and put everybody on the team first and above them is it's not always easy. <laughs> It's not always easy, and um, they do it week in and week out, so big props to them. Yeah, because they, they are just people at the end of the day, and it's hard
0: to not look at those things, I would imagine. But um, we, we've obviously mentioned talking about the pass catchers. Uh, this was a big game, I guess, the first time without Chris Oppenbell in the lineup for the season, and uh, I think it's fair to say that – um. All of the receivers and pass catchers stepped up in a big way. Uh, Mike Brown Stevens had a big big day, his most career catches in a game, and I think his second most yards. Um, Dalen Wright had three for 54. Uh, Daniel Jackson scored two touchdowns. Brevin Spanford had three catches. Uh, Nick Callerup scored his first career touchdown. Um, So I I guess a question for you is, uh, I know on uh, last week's episode we kind of talked about how you guys reacted to the possibility of Chris's injury, depending on how long it was. That was kind of before it was announced that he was going to be out for the year. Kind of, I guess, how almost as a team as a whole, did you guys react to that news and kind of how did that work leading up to uh, this last week's game against Michigan State?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously not the news anyone wanted. um, When you get one of your key players out for the rest of the year, so early on, um, it's tough because you know you always game plan around that guy and um we have a lot of very talented guys but at the same time they just haven't had as much time on the field as chris has had and they don't have the same leadership style or any of that stuff um but i mean they've been waiting in the wings for their opportunities and that's what happens when you have guys always working and always straining to be better. And, you know, Chris leads them through all of that. Uh, very veteran, professional type of player. And even though he wasn't able to be there on the sidelines with us this weekend, I feel like the receivers all knew what Chris expected from them and how Chris wanted them to play. And, you know, it's it may not be one defined leader when Chris isn't out there, but all those guys coming together and doing it for each other is really team motto and what we're going to
0: need. Yeah. I mean, just top to bottom, that whole uh, wide receiver and tight end group, I think still is very talented. And I guess we've kind of mentioned what the Gophers are going to lose with uh, Chris's leadership. Um, But I I think it's just impressive how it goes. It continues how uh, deep this, team at least seems as a whole to lose one of your most talented players and still kind of not really even miss a beat in the passing game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this since week one, we have tremendous depth and we knew that heading into the season, obviously you never hope for anyone to get injured, especially yeah. season ending injury, but, um, depth is something that we've been working on and now it's becoming very apparent for all the fans and we're just going to keep rolling with whoever we got in there yeah I mean uh before we get I guess get into
0: the defense's continued uh dominance but uh the gotta at least mention the offensive line they've been really impressive all year that was kind of a theme coming into the year that uh Obviously had to replace Daniel Falele, uh, Connor Olson, Sam Schluter, uh, all those guys up front that were so big in the team last season. Um, and they it seems like they haven't really missed a beat, kind of replacing four new starters. Um, and uh, it, it obviously has only led to production on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and it, it just seems like all 11 guys are clicking at the same time, and it really has resulted in impressive – odd numbers on the scoreboard
1: yeah and same thing with the wide receivers you know one goes down we got four more to fill the spot um offensive line a little different you need you're not subbing in offensive linemen as much as you are wide receivers so you can get a little bit more time out there at receiver but you know playing in the big 10 in a run first offense you got guys that we have eight linemen in on some packages, you know, so they've, they've had their experience and their taste of playing in big time football, but truly all of them stepping up together as one unit is what is the most impressive because each of them are fantastic alignment. I mean, you look at right tackle to left tackle, all fantastic players, but how they're playing as a unit, I think is very impressive. And having John Michael right in the middle to be, you know, the signal caller and the veteran guy leading them is uh fantastic because he's really stepped up and made not only our offensive line better, but everybody around him better.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like every question mark heading into the year has almost been answered because uh, on paper, I, the roster top to bottom um, before you guys even played a game looked like there were very few holes. Um, Obviously, the offensive line was one of the least uh, experienced in terms of playing together as uh, units on the team. And uh, they haven't looked like it so far. They've looked like they've almost been playing for three years like the offensive line was last year. And I think, like I said, it's just – continues to result in a great success for the team as a whole. Um, But yeah, I I guess onto the defense uh, was obviously another very impressive performance. Um, Didn't let up any points until right at the end of the game, um, kind of when those second and third units were in. Um, But it just, like we've kind of been saying with the offense, there's just depth everywhere. There's just talent everywhere. And I guess well, one guy that I've been very impressed with and people, I guess on the, looking at the box score would too, is uh, Danny Strigow. Who's kind of one of those new, um, new young defensive linemen on the team that were filling in for those veteran guys that the Gophers lost in the offseason. He now leads the team in sacks and tied for first in INTs after getting a interception this year. But He's just kind of one of the many guys that I think have really stepped up and made the defense, one of the more talented units, I guess, even in
1: college football. Yes, for sure. And that is a huge part about this Minnesota program. You know, it's a developmental program. You come in, you may be a little bit undersized, need to bulk up and put some muscle on, but every single year you're getting better and, You know, usually it's going to be the older guys, the more developed guys playing. But now we get to see, not that Danny's like really young. He's, (laughs) I believe, in his third year. But, you know, he is a younger, more unexperienced guy. And that is just one of the many guys that we have like that, that gets his shot and goes out there and executes how he needs to. And... For the past couple of years, he's been a big special teams guy. And a lot of those players that you may not see rising the ranks pretty quickly are going to be the guys that start on special teams. The guys that play special teams are different. You just yeah. have to have a different mindset to run full speed on kickoff and hit somebody. You have to have a different mindset. Not everybody can do it. And, you know, Danny is one of those guys that can and has done that plenty of times. Um, And finally, you know, he's out there on the defense starting and able to record the production that he needs when we got the other team keying Thomas Rush on the other side of the um, defense. So, I mean, he he completes the program and exactly what we're looking for.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, at least when I've always talked about uh, Gophers football with my grandpa, who's kind of a lifelong uh, Gophers fan, uh, we talked about, or at least he always brought up how Coach Fleck in the past, um, not, I guess, the last two years, but in the past, he always talked about how young the Gophers were. They had all this youth almost everywhere. And now you're kind of seeing all that youth develop. And now even though there's guys like Danny, who's in his, uh, I guess, third year of school, really only his second year of probably not being a redshirt player, but you're seeing guys like that kind of just all over the field finally get a chance. And now, like kind of we've been saying all this episode and all year, it's just there's so many guys at every position that can play at a high level. And I think that's kind of, showing on the field and showing in the scoreboard and it's hard for other teams that don't have that level of depth to when the gophers keep throwing different guys at you it's just hard to stop that
1: yeah 100 percent, and especially now with i mean the recent transfer portal rules being changed yeah uh, it is very tempting for teams to just go out there and seek guys that have proven themselves on other teams and in other schemes and just bring them into your team. But it's not always that simple. You know, you have to build chemistry. You have to build trust between players and coaches. And there's a lot that goes into getting a hundred guys all on board with one mission. And I think coach Fleck has done a fantastic job of that. And we, I mean, I'm a transfer myself. So, I can speak on it. Uh, We kind of take guys where we need them, but I think primarily it's, you know, one of those developmental programs, and I think it will be that for years to come, and that's our advantage. Other teams, you know, they want to go out there and seek the transfer portal for guys that could fit potentially for them on the field, but maybe not in the locker room. And while they may have fantastic numbers on the field, you're just going to get a star player. You're not going to get a star team. Um, And, you know, we want to build a star team here and win championships. We're not here looking to just break records. We want to win games as well. So I think that's a huge credit to Coach Fleck and his staff for being able to truly develop players and get guys out on the field that can do it. Yeah, I mean, at least from my point of view, it kind of seems like Coach Fleck is
0: using the transfer portal how it should be used. Like, it would be almost naive to uh, be fully anti-transfer portal and say, oh, we're not going to use that as an avenue to build our roster. And I think he's really using it in a a, uh, way that it should be used, where you have holes on your team. You can look for players that fit your system and your program. But there's no need to force it, and you can rely on guys that you've developed. And I think a good example of that on the defense is uh, Terrell Smith uh, at cornerback. Uh, Last year, he was uh, starting some games, and he played a lot, but he was kind of in and out of the uh, lineup sometimes. And I think at other programs and across the country, a player like that might look to the transfer portal. Um, but the golfers have obviously trusted him and uh, were patient with his development. And now he's one of the best corners really in uh, the Big Ten, if not the country. And players like that, it, that's just what takes your program from being good to great. And I think now that's kind of what we're seeing.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And guys like that, uh, you can learn from. Uh, as a young guy, you always want to come in and play as much as you can. But sometimes you just need to be humbled and told to relax. Like, it's not your time yet. Your time will come. You just need to put in the work now. And I think that's being shown through, you know, Terrell and countless other guys on the team. Um, but everybody is always anxious to play. But this is a team that knows what we need, you know, the guys on scout team are doing a fantastic job being on scout team. And I know for a fact, none of them want to be on scout team. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the scout team is not glamorous at all. Nobody ever talks about you. Um, You come in as the best player on your high school team, and then you're immediately just another guy on the team, you know. Um, But those guys really have been working hard and give our ones – the looks that we need each and every week and continuing to do that and to instill that in them that you put in the work now and then the rewards will come later um, is massive for our team. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, yeah, that's just one of the examples of how um teams like the golfers just develop their talent. And I, like I've said, I think it that's just kind of why, there's been so much success early in the year and I guess going off another dominant performance on the defense, the special teams, obviously for you, you had another uh, perfect day kicking the football through the uprights. And I know we had Mark on the podcast last week, but uh, he didn't even gophers did Didn't even need to use him um punting the ball, but uh, another perfect day, I guess you really couldn't ask for much more for the special teams and uh, from uh, your aspect,
1: I guess uh, I would imagine you'd probably think the same, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the whole uh, field goal operation was massive this week. You know, you're matching up against some bigger guys now on the interior and some speedy guys on the outside. And our offensive line really showed up. and you know, field goal extra points for offensive line. that's one of the toughest plays in football. You just have to stand in there and just get your nose beat in. Like (laughs) It cannot be fun. I've never experienced it, but I see it every single play. It does not look fun. Uh, But they did a fantastic job on the protection. Snap and hold from Brady to Crawford, smooth as ever. Makes my job really easy. And then you go to kickoff right after that, and we got 10 guys running down on kickoff that just run you know, Dragan's been putting the ball out of the back of the end zone almost every single time. And it makes the other team, their uh, kickoff return unit, really just, I don't know. They they just lose all spirit when yeah. the ball is just sailing over their returner's head. And Michigan State, um, with one of their returners, uh, number one, I forget his name right now, but he is – fantastic dynamic returner and yeah. I don't believe they had him in there this week but even if he were in there you completely shut that down and a lot of teams you know when they're getting thumped like Michigan State was this past week they look to special teams to you know ignite a spark and get some hope on the sidelines but with Dragan just booting the ball over their heads there's nothing they can do about that and A lot of times that gets overlooked by people in the stands because it's, you know, just a kickoff. It doesn't usually produce something that big. But on a team, if you are able to bounce a 35, 40 yard return, that could be exactly what your team needs to get the offense going and start scoring some points. But with him, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be a nightmare for the opposing coaches to plan for him in the game plan and then go on to punt. And Brady usually, you know, is warming up on the sideline snapping, but he hardly had to, you know, and Crawford's over there trying to stay warm, waiting for another fourth quarter, two minute left in the game punt, but no punts. And I believe we were talking about it. That was the first time since Crawford's been here that we have not punted in the game. Wow. Um, Who would have thought it comes week three against – or week four against Michigan State. Yeah. But with the way our offense is moving, uh, we just always have to stay ready at any moment. You never know. Uh, And I think that's huge going forward because nobody really knows our schemes yet on punt or – how we're going to cover anything. You've yeah, see three punts. <laughs> yeah. I
0: I mean, special teams in general, I think people obviously look at it that it's almost just like a transition into the next play, but that's kind of yeah. where you can find advantages in a game like Michigan State where uh, they are struggling to move the ball and they're, they're just looking for that one spark to get some momentum back. Um, okay. Those are kind of those plays that you can find those. and. When you just get uh, dominated on the defensive side of the ball for Michigan State and you just let up a big touchdown and then uh, the Gophers kick it off just in the back of the end zone, like you said, that just kind of has to be demoralizing at that point.
1: 100%. And I think I know it better than most uh, playing at Kent State, you know, every single year. I don't know if you've seen Kent State's non-conference matchups this year, but, you know, Washington to Oklahoma – to Georgia, I mean, that's that's just brutal. But in those games when I was there, we would always look to special teams and, okay, what can we do on this play to really change the game? And if you saw any highlights from that game, you know, Kent State kept it very close with Georgia throughout most of the game. And they had a fourth down fake punt conversion and – A lot of turnovers and I mean stuff like that uh, gets your offense going gives your team some hope on the sidelines and for the other team when somebody's able to execute a fake punt on you or get a first down on fourth down off of special teams uh, you just know you're defeated inside a little bit so I think that's going to be something looking forward we really have to plan because with the way our offense and defense is performing, people are going to start looking at, okay, what can we do differently on special teams to get under their skin, to create an advantage for our team? And right now from our specialist play, I think we're doing a fantastic job, but going forward, there's going to be a lot more challenges. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, like you
0: said, I think, Kind of a, this week, it doesn't fit into that. But in the first three weeks for the Gophers, when you're playing against a team that I guess you're supposed to beat, those advantages that you, I guess, could lose in special teams is kind of what sparks that upset potential. And I think a reason why there was really not, not even a single moment in those first three games where it looked like there was an upset potential was because you guys kind of shut it down on special teams and they didn't really even have an opportunity to get momentum in those situations. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I guess kind of just going around, uh, going into around the big 10, there were obviously this was the first week where there were uh, multiple um, big 10 games going on, kind of the start of conference play. Um, Iowa had a, I guess, big win over uh, Rutgers, kind of one of their most impressive offensive performances um, Penn State big win over or uh beat Central Michigan by a lot. Nebraska didn't play this week. Uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin—that was an interesting game. Ohio State kind of dominated throughout in that one. Um, Michigan, Maryland, another super interesting game. Uh, I think Maryland was seventeen point underdogs and they were kind of in that game, uh, almost for sixty minutes. I know they had a cheap touchdown at the end, but um, seven point game there. And then Northwestern lost at home to uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, Purdue, uh, next week's opponent, had a tight win over FAU. Um, Their quarterback, I know, did not play in that game due to a rib injury. Um, And then kind of rounding out, Indiana had a uh, 21-point loss to Cincinnati. But, uh, I mean, I think the kind of the Michigan-Maryland game um, kind of shows, again, how deep this conference is top to bottom. And there's really not an open week, I think, or I guess an easy week left on the schedule for the Gophers or really anyone in the big Ten.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would say not at all. Um, you know, Iowa has, has had its offensive struggles, but then you look at their defense and they're scoring like crazy. I think they had two touchdowns this past game and special teams is huge for them. That's where they find their advantage in their punt team. And, um, -hmm. That's going to be something for that game that's really going to be talked about, I believe. Um, And then you got Ohio State and Wisconsin, you know, two kind of blue bloods of college football going at it. And Ohio State really showed its dominance. Um, But Wisconsin is not a bad team. They're not a team to look over at all. Um, And I think it was a little bit more apparent in the Michigan and Maryland game that if you, start to overlook a team, they can surprise you. Um, Maryland wasn't able to complete that game, but I mean, I think at halftime they were, I think they it was were only, tied. yeah. Was it tied? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I know their Maryland's kicker, Chad Ryland, fantastic guy, fantastic kicker. And, you know, that's where I see special teams coming into play and, those tight games like that. And if one more play goes the right way for Maryland, could be a completely different game. Um, and Northwestern, I don't know if it's just me that has this look on Northwestern or if it's universal, but Northwestern can lose to whoever and still win the Big Ten West any given year. Like, I don't know why that is, but that's just Northwestern. So, I mean, I to like. Yeah, technically
0: uh, the golfers and Northwestern are only two undefeated teams in the Big Ten West, I get
1: conference record-wise, because yeah. they
0: beat Nebraska week one.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you never know with Northwestern. You can look at a loss like that. Yes, it stings. Yes, it hurts. I've, you know, experienced that last year. But that doesn't mean they're out by any means. Yeah. Uh, and then Purdue obviously had some uh, key players not in the game. Um, but they're a very explosive team that, you know, they have this reputation as well of beating ranked opponents. They come in and you think it's going to be a blowout and then Purdue surprises you with a bunch of different explosive plays and boom, they're back in it. So yeah, <laughs> big 10 is very deep and that's what makes it so interesting. Um, anybody can beat anybody. And I believe our team knows that this year, especially. So we're not going to take anybody lightly. And I think we've gotten so far in the right track with that, starting off the first three games, not taking them lightly. You know, those are teams that can very easily be, um, we could have just beaten, you know, by a close score or something like that, but that's not the team that we want. And that's not the team that we have this year. We want to go in there and, Make sure that the other team feels us. So, yeah, I I mean I I
0: agree with everything you said, and uh, I think that's the important uh, mindset to have. And I I guess one other uh, big thing from the week is, I guess from the uh from the fan and the media perspective, is that the Gophers are now uh, ranked in the AP poll. Um, they're ranked twenty second or twenty first. Uh, but. I guess how uh, we kind of mentioned uh, all the way through the season that um, kind of the culture that Coach Fleck has built has kind of helped you guys block out the outside outside noise and not even look at uh, ranking, because at the end of the day, especially at this point of the season, um, it's virtually uh, pointless. But uh, I guess how, how did you guys continue to not let the outside outside noise seep in and not let that ranking even dictate how you guys are approaching
1: this week against Purdue? Um, I mean, honestly, I completely forgot that we were ranked. Uh, we, we knew at the beginning of the season with all the guys that we had looking at how we were playing, we knew that, you know, we should have been ranked and could have been ranked. Um, but after those first three weeks, um, you know, everybody's going to say, well, you didn't play anybody yet. You didn't play anybody yet. And then you, you know, beat a good Michigan state team. They have very talented players on their team and I don't think they're done at all in the East yet either. You know, they can still come together as a team and pull off a lot of impressive wins. But even after this past week, we're still going to have people saying you haven't played anybody yet. And You know, Coach Fleck prepares us for that really well. Um, He's always talking about how other people are going to react. And at some times it feels like he can see the future. You know, he's right on point with everything people are going to say and how uh, once people actually see us play, they're going to want to jump on the bandwagon and they're going to want to say, oh, yeah, I saw this coming the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, like that's fine. You can say that. Um, but that's where we just need to come together as a team even more and just crank up that noise inside the building and block out everybody else. Cause we know, and we've seen it every single day. We're with each other, you know, yeah. everybody on the outside, we have not seen every single day. They're not going to be with us when it gets bad. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what a team is, you know, it's there for the ups and the downs. And that's not exactly what the media is. The media is there for the good story and um, the publication. So we're just going to continue rolling with everything Coach Fleck is telling us because he's seen it a time or two and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I, I think that's all you can do. Um, But yeah, now kind of, I guess looking
0: ahead to this week, um, 11 a.m. kickoff against Purdue, um, sitting at 4-0 and now, and a lot of people hopping on the bandwagon wagon ranked um, for the first time this season in the AP poll. I think it's, uh, especially with Purdue, like you said, a team that's known for knocking off ranked opponents. They're just coming off a tight win, getting some players back. I think from an outsider's perspective, it does look like a prime opportunity for a so-called trap game or uh, an opportunity that you could slip up and overlook Purdue. And um, it's homecoming, another off-the-field thing to, I guess, not seep into the locker room, I guess. How do you guys – uh, kind of avoid the so-called trap that Purdue might present? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's just taking every game one at a time, and I think we all know Purdue is a fantastic program, and they have fantastic players, um, but all the off-field distractions is exactly what they want and exactly what they need, but You know, we're back at home. We're back at our normal time, 11 a.m. I don't think this is a team that's going to be falling asleep, but every week you have to fight that human nature to not take it easy, to wake up and to be hungry and to keep attacking. Um, And that's the challenge of college football. That's why at the end of the year there's only going to be four teams in the playoffs uh, because those are the teams that, you know, didn't fall asleep one week. Um, And if we want to be one of those four teams, we have to prove it every single week. And Purdue just happens to be the next one on the schedule. So that's how we're going to approach it.
0: Yeah. And uh, like I said, uh, homecoming, another one of those off the field distractions, Um, kind of a a thing that's obviously synonymous with football in the fall. Um, All the way through high school, always one of the obviously bigger home games of the season. Um, it, it, I guess uh, I'm not too familiar with how much the football team does during the week. Is there anything different during the week that you guys like have to do because it's homecoming?
1: Not that I believe. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's way really different, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have to do anything different. Um, we just have to go out there and win you know everybody yeah. wants to see a win on homecoming so that's what we're going to do yeah um, I, I think
0: that's all we got for um, today's episode um, like I said uh, 11 a.m. kickoff um, prime uh, Big Ten of uh, weather now too uh, prime big time kickoff time uh, Gophers Purdue Big Ten in full swing um, on to the next week um, I appreciate Everyone listening, as always, and uh, row the boat, Scotty Mon, go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform.
1: Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.